Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. Today we have a bantery type episode for all of you people that hate banter out there. We have some announcements to walk through. Sorry, just the way it is. You'll survive. You need to hear it. You need to know what's going on. It'll help you. But before we get into all of that, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by West Eden. Go to westeden.co, not .com, .co, westeden.co, and check out what they got going on over there. They've got all kinds of really cool Christian apparel. I bought my wife a t-shirt from West Eden at G3. She loves it, wears it all the time. A lot of uh, Christian apparel companies, you either have to get something that sounds really deep and theological and, and good, but it looks dorky, or you get something that looks really good, it just has bad theology. Well, West Eden fixes that by giving you both at the same time. And they've got drinkware, keychains, all kinds of shirts, hats, stuff. Just go check them out, westeden.co, and use code DOTHEOLOGY15, all lowercase, all one word, do theology 15 for 15% off your order. Thanks to West Eden for sponsoring this episode. And on the other side of the music, we're going to banter like a couple of old men. Right? Eh? <laughs> Neither Bethel nor Hillsong meet the biblical definition of a true church. Did you know that Jesus was born again? Is his view heretical? If it isn't, then there's no such thing as heresy. It's not just a black and white issue. There's an issue, there's a question of moderation and how damaging and how harmful things are. Not every act of divine revelation is equal in authority. Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement. I mean, it's, it's hard to even respond to that, isn't it? It's, it's mind-numbing, it's blasphemous. When the apostles use the word atonement, they do not depict an angry God. It's cryptic. It's watered down. It has nothing to do with the judicial aspect of the Christian gospel. The most important of all doctrines is that the Bible is the word of God. They have different ideas than you do. You don't have to automatically kick them out of the kingdom. All right. Here we are recording this episode, and Ken, your background looks different. You got a stack of cardboard, and there's a like pen, marker, tape stuff going on. Shelves are being emptied. This doesn't look normal. What's happening? Yes, it's, there's clearly a transitioning occurring. Uh, we are moving. Uh, we praise God for his provision in the midst of all of this, but uh, God has provided us a house, and we close on that, Lord willing, on May 26th. So by the time this is released, Lord willing, that will be have been passed, and we will be in the midst of mm, not packing true. everything up. Not true? This won't. No, this releases on the 24th, doesn't it? Ah, yes, 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 it does. So so if you're hearing this right when it releases, pray for Ken yes, that the uh, closing goes well. <laughs> my brain's clearly scrambled at this stage. <laughs> lots of reasons for that, but yeah. So, yep, lots of transition things happening right now. We're staying busy with just getting piled up with everything. So it's exciting, but there's a lot happening. So what? when do you actually... Uh, get the keys to the house. So we close on the 26th. We're supposed to get possession of the house on June 9th. Okay. Could be sooner, probably wow. won't be. That's yeah, that's when I'm going to be headed heading back here from Missouri at the mm. end of our little annual trip. Okay. We we both got a lot going on. So we're not going to be recording an episode that week. Yeah. 
which is probably a, a good segue to say how uh, some some of you may have already noticed that our uh, release schedule has slowed down a little bit. Well, it's just the midst of, of busyness in life that has caused some of that. But then also, you might notice some things going to be a little bit different moving forward just as we kind of deal with the busyness of life and all the summer schedule things that are going on that's just outside the ordinary. Uh, Jeremy, tell them a little bit about what they can expect to hear coming down the old RSS feed. Yeah, I was going to say summer, like you just mentioned. I mean, at least for yeah. the summer, and probably just for the summer, things will just be a little different uh, on the Do Theology podcast. Which is not so, unusual for us. Uh, summer no. schedules have been odd for us ever since we started the podcast. Well, th- that uh, lazy sluggard Al Moeller takes the whole month of July off, and yeah. we're not doing anything like that. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, what, what, what's going to happen, at least for the month of June, we've already got the schedules or the uh, shows scheduled, is I've got a part one, part two interview with Paul Henneberry coming out. He's known as Dr. Reluctant on the web. Hopefully that entices you to listen just a little bit. But that's an interview I did just by myself. I, I've got a couple more of those that are lined up. I'm actually scheduled to interview Heath Lambert soon, uh, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be great. Um, but... It's just going to be me, and when I'm in charge of the audio-video tech stuff, you can expect a, a decreased quality on, <laughs> on the podcast. So, for example, this... So, okay, Ken, you, you gave me your, your login information for Zoom because you've uh-huh. got the paid account. Otherwise, even one-on-one, you're limited to 40 minutes now, which is ridiculous. But you gave me your info, and I got everything scheduled with him, and, and we got the meeting launched. Everything's fine. We're, we're recording. Recording even. Everything went smooth. And then afterwards, I download it to do the little editing that we do. We, we don't mm-hmm. do a ton of editing, but I, I do that. And I notice that it's only giving me one track. I thought Zoom gave me two tracks, one for me and one for him, but that's not the case. It's just together. And I didn't record my own on my end because I thought, oh, well, Zoom's recording the two tracks. And then I notice at, at the start of my sentences when I talk, when I ask him a question, it has the feedback from his speakers coming in. So it kind of sounds like there's a dinosaur roaring in the background oh, when no. I start a question. So I would be like, um, as we look at, and then in the background, I'll be like, <laughs> Oh, and then it'll last for like a second, and then it I'm, fades away. I apologize to our listeners for that noise too. Oh, <laughs> oh well, just wait till this just, interview uh, drops. It's just a. Uh, <laughs> this is the uh, the the the, uh, the the foreshadowing of what's to come. I see. That's right. If you could handle what I just did, you could handle the interview. But oh, it's, dear. yeah, and I, there's just nothing that can be done at that point. You know, once it's done, it's done. So, yeah. but we had a great conversation. All that to say, we had a great conversation about uh, God's communication to us, how we should approach the Bible in our hermeneutics, and the biblical covenants. So he's essentially a dispensationalist, but he rejects the term and calls himself a biblical covenantalist, and so we explore that for a while. Hmm. But but like I said, I've, we've got a couple more interviews that I'm looking at doing on my own, and while Ken's hopefully getting settled in well to a new location and uh, dealing with all the busyness of that. But you and I are also going to be going to the IFCA convention the last mm-hmm. week of June in Albuquerque, kind of in my neck of the woods. Yeah, and that which is really, really exciting about that. We're going to have a display table at the convention, and we will do, be doing a live podcast recording 
for one of the breakout seminars. So that's something that we are really looking forward to. We're excited about. And yeah, hopefully we'll have a, a good live audience to kind of feed off of things a little bit. So yeah, it'll be a good time. <laughs> As I was talking to Dustin yesterday, Dustin Garrett, the one who actually did the music for our intro mm-hmm. uh, for free because he loves us. He, uh, we, were, we were talking through the... He also gave me these earbuds because he didn't like my blue ones. True. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a big he's, supporter of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, black, black, black earbuds. <laughs> Just think, listener, if you did as much for this podcast as Dustin did, where would we be today? Uh, as we were talking through the dynamics of a live recording for a breakout session, he brought up a couple things to me that I was like, oh, man, we really need to think about how we're going to do that. Uh, so... We have some things to talk about mm. strategically, how we're going to set that up. But but the topic of that episode, I, I don't know if we've come up with an actual title yet, but the description essentially is, how can we as pre-tribulational dispensationalists, those who believe we will be raptured before the tribulation, how can we live with a mindset to engage and transform the culture uh, for the sake of Christ uh, and not just have an escapist mindset to try to get out of this world as quickly as we can. So that, that's what that episode's going to be about. Yeah, I think we did have a title. I, I'm, I'm scratching um, where to find that document, but um, yeah, something like, against escapism. No, okay, and there that's, you go. That's a, uh, escapism is something that we get accused of as dispensationalists quite a bit. To the extent that it's true, we want to call people away from that and then also say it's also not really even that true because... There's a lot of reasons, but yeah, uh, right. yeah. So against escapism, mm-hmm. yes, we're very much looking forward to to that in our time in Albuquerque. I've never been to Albuquerque, so should be a should be a I, good time. I haven't either. I've been to Gallup, New Mexico, and I've mm-hmm. cut across New Mexico. I've been to Clayton, New Mexico, in the northeast corner. But uh, we we have a, a sweet family in our church that's from Albuquerque. They're going to give me the total lowdown on what nice. that's all about. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be good. And uh, part of your busyness, uh, you just got done with a stupid trip. You, you just did a, a stupid thing to yourself <laughs> and your family. Tell people what you just Thanks. did. <laughs> well, so a lot, so much of it was just the way the schedules came together. This Things were not planned this way initially, but it just, in the course of time, in God's providence, this is just how things came together. So... We embraced it and ran with it, and pretty well ran, just about ran ourselves into the ground with it. But uh, yeah, so it's not just been this last week, but it's been the last month, really, finishing up my Greek semester and my uh, big old final project for that. That's my last class of Greek, so it was a a very... um, you know, a big culmination type project of just everything you've learned the last four semesters, bam, it, you know, display it all here in this last semester. So this last project. So that was a big thing. On the heels of that, I had um, a trip scheduled for my wife's brother who went to get married and he did so. So congratulations to Abe and Diana. So happy for them. Um, so that occurred on a Friday, that Sunday, we drove down to Kansas City, where there's a supporting church down there, and I uh, filled the pulpit at that church, just gave a, an update about the ministry during the Sunday school hour, and that was a full day of, of not only just ministry in the morning, but then in the afternoon, visiting with some good ministry friends and um, people that we just are 
just consider to be almost like family to us, uh, individuals that we've known for many years and and love dearly. So we spent some time in the afternoon and evenings with those people. Monday drove home, and then Tuesday I stood before my ordination council for my ordination exam. Needless to say, by the end of all that, I was quite tired. <laughs> and still Were you really recovering. standing? Uh, actually, I wasn't really standing. No, I oh, was sitting. We were seated. Nuts. That would have been so, hilarious if they would have made you stand the whole time. That would have been pretty epic. Yeah, I, I know some uh, individuals that did have to stand. So people propping them up, like uh, yeah, <laughs> you almost have to. Yeah, wow. And yeah. as long as as long as you're propped up, you do well. But if you sit, you, you don't do well. Yeah, just like in Old Moses, Testament times. Yeah, mm-hmm. Moses getting hold, <laughs> propped up his arms. Yep. <laughs> Just wow. like that. And so, you passed. Yes, the, the council is recommending to the church that I be ordained. So, Lord willing, come June 12th, I will have hands laid upon me and a commissioning service where I will be formally ordained. And from henceforth, I shall always require all to recognize me with the title of reverend. If you can't be a doctor, be a reverend. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we no, do ordain I, and establish this yes. minister. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That Yeah, that makes you just sound like you got it going on. All I did today was get up and do a bunch of mean tweets. <laughs> I, well, there is something. So I, I don't know if anybody can tell a difference in my voice. My voice to me sounds like it's not normal. Um my, I lost my voice through this whole process. By the end of the day on Tuesday, I was very raspy, and it was worse on Wednesday. Uh, today is Friday. Today's the first day it's m- improving in the right direction. So, no, it was getting a little bit better yesterday. But, yep, hopefully I'll be good to go for Sunday. So, mm-hmm. Sunday's mm-hmm. coming. Yes. So, you, um, y- you've been affirmed as a minister of the gospel, whereas I, this morning, was told to resign from my church. <laughs> and also this podcast. And this podcast. Yes. Not just this church, but this podcast. Yeah, I, I got up, I was filled with some sort of strange unction today and went to Twitter and said, you know what, I'm going to be the dispensational pit, uh, stick that pokes the reformed bear today. And uh, that's what I did. And I was just poking with some provocative tweets. One of them was about uh, the the pre-trib rapture, of course, and this uh, Reformed bro on there was saying, hey, there is no verse in the Bible that separates the rapture from the second coming. And I said, John 14, 3, next. And he said, if that's how you interpret John 14, 3, then you need to immediately resign from your church and stop doing your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Okay. Let me start typing up that letter. Yeah. Apparently uh, apparently you hit a soft spot there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't listen to him because that's not the biblical qualification for eldership is uh, how you interpret John 14.3. <laughs> and we need to talk about biblical qualifications for eldership and ordination and all that stuff. Yeah. Should we have a conversation about that? Why not? Let's do that. That's that's a good thing to do. Um Ordination is kind of an interesting concept, isn't it? Where well, it is. I I was at one last month, 
and uh, a couple of older pastors were talking to each other. Actually, they're both no longer pastors. They're retired. And uh, they were kind of mocking the whole thing while they were there and saying, uh, it's just a Roman Catholic thing. This is something that we borrowed from the Roman Catholic Church. What are we? What are we doing here? So, uh, <laughs> I mean, they were there voluntarily, but they—that's what they were saying. They were so, serving um, on the council. No, they weren't. Oh, okay. And I think it started as, "Have you ever been ordained? No. Have you? No. Yeah, it's Roman Catholic anyway." And then that's uh, <laughs> kind of where that conversation went. So, um, why did you want to get ordained? Yeah. So there's. Um well, even before that, let's back up a little bit and just talk about what the concept of ordination is, perhaps, um, before I, I say why I wanted to pursue that. Uh, the concept of ordination, we don't see any verse in the Bible that says, oh, you must do these things, you must ordain an individual, like we don't have that text. Uh, we don't have a lot by way of example as far as, oh yes, uh, do this thorough theological examination, do this character uh, examination. We, we do have we do have character qualifications in uh, passages such as First Timothy three and Titus one, mm-hmm. but we don't have a prescription for how that examination ought to occur and uh, what the nature of that is like. And so, in a lot of ways, ordination is something that developed, and did it develop through the Catholic Church? I've I've not done the uh, the church history legwork to know when did the uh, the modern practice of ordination, the, what's the genesis of that, and where did it fully develop. So um, I can't speak to that. I don't know if you know any of that history, Jeremy, about the particulars of of when churches first started doing formal ordinations and such. No. No. So it very well may be a Roman Catholic thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the concept is... You have an individual who desires to be in ministry. He goes through a rigorous theological education. Hopefully in the process of that, he is also uh, being discipled and mentored, and he's growing in his conviction. He's growing in his Christian character such that he mit- meets the qualifications found in 1 Timothy 3 and, and Titus 1. And the ordination council will examine the man on those points. They'll examine his theology. Does he have orthodox theology? Uh, they'll examine his life, how he interacts with individuals, how he is with his family, how um, he might be in the community, uh, any personal experiences people have with that individual. And based on all the qualifications from First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and from there they will either ordain the individual or recommend that a church ordains the individual depending on how the particular uh, uh, ecclesiology is set up in that particular group. I myself believe that ordination ought to be conducted through a local church and not through a denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but that's the process. And at the end of that, if they're ordained, that means that they have examined this individual and they have concluded that, yes, we affirm that this individual is fit for ministry. Uh, he is sufficiently educated. He knows the Lord. He is The Lord has been clearly working in his life. He displays the, uh, the qualifications as described in those two texts I've been mentioning, and thus we recommend him to whoever. And Timothy and Titus were commissioned by Paul to appoint elders, to appoint pastors, overseers, 
in the churches. That's why they were given those lists of qualifications. <clears throat> and Paul explicitly told Timothy in his letter to him, don't lay hands on a man too quickly. Don't put a man in a position of leadership too quickly. Well, what are you, what are you doing in the meantime while you are not appointing him? <laughs> You're training Mm-hmm. If training's needed, and presumably there's lots of training needed for lots of guys, and then as they are completing their training, you're you're testing them, you're seeing if they are approved, uh, letting them prove themselves as leaders in God's church, and so it's a it, this ordination council and the the examination you undergo is a part of that testing and proving which mm-hmm. is a biblical concept because it's not supposed to be done quickly. And while it's not being done quickly, there's stuff you're actively doing in the, in the uh, waiting period. Uh, you are, uh, if you're someone who wants to be in leadership, you're being trained and you're growing. And if you're someone who's appointing other leaders, you are training them actively mm-hmm. and you are allowing them to be, become proven. And, and that counsel is a part of that. Yeah. So as far as why, you know, to answer your initial question, okay, why was that something I wanted to pursue? Um, I think there's there's multiple reasons that can go into that. Um, you know, there's there's reasons from my own self that I think, I, I don't know how much of these I necessarily um, felt like, oh, I just needed to have this thing. You know, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, there's lots of pastors, there's lots of faithful pastors who have never been formally ordained. Yes, ordination is um, the, the, an official ordination examination is certainly not a requirement for pastoral ministry. Yeah, in fact, there were men on my ordination council who were not formally ordained. That doesn't bother me whatsoever mm-hmm. at all. Um, ordination, the, the the purpose of it, I think, is a can can be a good and healthy pursuit. It's helpful for the individual being ordained to know that okay, I have put years into study. I have put I have worked not only just on on accumulating information and uh, theological knowledge and, and wrestling through difficult concepts. Not only have I done that, but I've also been shaped by the Word of God in the process. And by going through this examination, you have that confirmation of just like, yes, okay, I, I I've been examined on all these points. Because when you when you sit before the council, all you've got is your Bible. Right, you 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 don't have access to your theological books or anything else. Like it's just people they ask you questions, and you got to be able to reason from the scriptures and answer to that. And so it's a good confirmation process to go through uh, to help embrace the reality. Okay, yes, I am. I've been trained. I have undergone the examination, and I am ready uh, for ministry. Uh, so that's it's helpful for the individual in that way, and then I think it's also helpful for others. You know, when because of the world in which we live, we have pastors that move from church to church. Well, if it it helps the process if you know, okay, this individual has been examined, like he he has gone through some form of examination process. Now, there's that doesn't mean that a church should not do their own due diligence. That doesn't mean the church shouldn't ask questions of, of whoever they're look, possibly seeking to uh, welcome as a pastor of their church. But it does help to know, okay, this individual comes with the recommendation from this other church body. That's a helpful thing to know. And then you can ask questions about the nature of that ordination, etc. But it's helpful to know you're not just getting some you know, individual. It's it's someone who's who's spent time 
and has been examined. Mm-hmm. So I think there's value to it from those standpoints. Yeah. Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church in California, they summarize ordination this way in their church bylaws. Ordination refers to the unanimous recognition by the Board of Elders of a man's call to the ministry, preparation as a shepherd, and qualification to serve. Hmm. Ordination shall be conferred for life so long as the man continues to manifest the qualifications for the office. You think that's pretty good? Yeah, that's a good summary. Mm Mm-hmm. And those qualifications, like you mentioned, Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3, those are the, the two main passages that give us qualifications for elders. And, of course, 1 Timothy 3 includes qualifications for deacons, the only passage in the New Testament right. where we have that. So uh, as we consider what makes a person qualified for ministry, do we even really like that word, qualified? Uh, does that word actually come up in the text? Now, I, I bring that up, and I wasn't prepared to discuss that. I, I have something that I am pretty prepared to discuss, but I feel like before I take a shot at uh, the word qualification, I should—I don't know if it's actually in the text, Ken. Uh, it, it is not in First Timothy, no. It's not in Titus it's, 1. That's it's right not in Titus, first. yeah. So, so uh, I, I bring it up because there's a, a man in our church who said to me one time that he likes characteristics of elders better hmm. than qualifications, and I thought, you know, I— that's not bad because qualifications does seem to sort of imply there's a line that like, I don't know that you can cross over. You're, you're unqualified. And then you cross over the line. Now you are qualified, which means we've got to start quantifying things. And right. Uh, I, I've just never been super comfortable with getting really into that kind of lingo. Yeah. So like, uh, um, a man must be above reproach. On a scale of one to ten, how above reproach do you think you are? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, never, as long as you're seven and above, you're good to go. It's like, ah, that's, that's really difficult to, to quantify, like you said, about how, we're, we're, how do we evaluate that. Or uh, children cannot be in rebellion, Titus 1. Mm. Well, don't come to my house at certain times because <laughs> uh, they, they do rebel. They sin. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as we start thinking, I don't know, qualifications is a fine word, but as soon as we start taking that too far and saying, well, you know, your children did X, Y, Z, therefore you are disqualified from ministry. We just have to be really, really careful. It, it's not as black and white or mathematical as we might want to approach it. Mm-hmm. It's actually much more complicated because anytime we're dealing with people, it's much more complicated than it first appears, isn't it? It is, yeah. So how do you think that your particular ordination council approached these qualifications with you? I mean, I'm sure they didn't ask, when's the last time your kids rebelled? Or or do all of your children believe? Have they all been baptized, even your your tiniest one who's not even a year old? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they, they approached it with uh, with the seriousness that it, that we need to take, you know, as far as, um, you know, they didn't walk through the list of the qualifications of first Timothy and Titus and say, okay, do you think, you know, do you think you're here? Do you think you're here? Do you think you're here? But there were, there were questions that were character questions in, um, that we could probably tie to some of these different things. And there were, uh, testimonies from a few individuals that yes, I've observed Ken, 
in this kind of setting, and this is the things that that I've seen and ob- observed in his life. Mm-hmm. And so that that's how they kind of approached the, those uh, the quality. The, uh, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, well, the the one I went to last month, they had his wife come up mm. at the very beginning and sit down and say, you know, would you mind sharing your testimony with us? And she explained how she came to know the Lord. And then they said, you know, according to Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, uh, what a pastor should be is described there. Does your husband meet those qualifications? (laughs) I thought, yeah, that that really cuts through a lot of the speculation, doesn't it? This person who lives with him, observes him 24-7, 365, who, who would know better? And, uh, you know, for her to say yes and for him to say, uh, you know, it's, my conscience is clear, that's pretty good. Yeah. Amen. And it would have been really awkward if she would have <laughs> said, well, actually, <laughs> no one had asked me that yet, and I've got a lot to dish. <sighs> yes, that, uh, that could definitely make things interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- where have you seen the qualifications or characteristics of eldership, pastoral ministry, get abused or, I mean, Hmm. either direction, really, downplaying or magnifying? Is there anything off the top of your head that you've dealt with either personally or heard about where it's like, well, I don't think you're in line with the spirit of of Paul here when he issued this, this instruction? I mean, I've seen them be ignored. Hmm. Um, so I've seen, I've observed an ordination council where it was 100% theological, and there were no, there was no character examination whatsoever. Hmm. Um, so I've, I've observed that. Um, I don't know, I might have to think a little bit more about that question. It's an interesting question. Hmm. Well, I, and it does get murky in a lot of situations, right? Because we know, so f- for instance, um, in Titus 1, <laughs> God's steward is not to be self-willed or quick-tempered. Okay, well, uh, who can say, since becoming a pastor, I've never been self-willed, right? <laughs> no one can say that. So it does, Or I've never gotten angry. Yeah, right. It begs the question, well, where is the line? Because there is a line. Mm-hmm. Now, I you know, I was just kind of talking smack about the line earlier, but there is a line where someone is disqualified. So someone was living in a in an adulterous relationship and it comes to light, well, he's not a one-woman man. He is disqualified from ministry. He doesn't have the characteristics of a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can get really complicated sometimes, can it? It can, yes. And that's, I think, um, boy, it's, it's one of those things where perhaps using the term of characteristic is is the better way to go with that because that does communicate the – someone can be characterized by a particular trait. That doesn't mean they exhibit that trait 24-7, mm-hmm. but, it's, but, it's, but it's the general characteristic of that trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really what we're what we're seeking to get at. Um, not not dismissing, not di- diminishing, not forsaking the qualifications themselves, but recognizing that we are sinful, fallen human beings, and we're not expecting perfection. But there is 
a expectation for this high level of of character. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know it's um, every every council kind of does things a little bit differently, especially within our circles. We're in independent church circles, so the way each individual church is going to handle their ordination process is going to look a little bit different. Things might get a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more. Um, uh, I don't know what the right word is exactly, but more defined in like denominational things. I watched a video about this guy describing his ordination process for the OPC. And that was really interesting. That was um, the requirements for ordination within the OPC were certainly uh, more stringent than what what I endured. Um, so, just kind of interesting. I don't know what what my point is with that, but it's just it's just interesting to see the different ways that ordination is practiced. And I think I think the way the different ways that it's practiced kind of shows a little bit about how okay, even though we don't have a uh, we don't have explicit biblical instruction to this. Let me see if if this is a, a helpful analogy. Uh, Jeremy, tell me what you think about this. Ordination is similar to membership. Hmm. There's no explicit instructions for church membership in the New Testament. There are some principles that may make it seem as though ordination and membership would be wise things and helpful things in the life of a church. And so we practice them in seeking to be wise and good stewards of that which God has given us, but they're more applications of certain principles rather than an adherence to biblical teaching itself. Could you rephrase that and make it shorter? I, I was, I was following different phrases. Could you, could you, (laughs) yeah, make it, make it shorter, sum it up. Membership and ordination are similar in that neither one has explicit biblical teaching behind it. However, there are principles found in Scripture that lend itself towards the practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very agreeable. Because uh, we, we've had this conversation, not on the podcast, but we, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about membership quite a bit before and how membership is it's just an interesting thing because in America especially, we treat it as like one of the most important things a lot of times from a uh, minister's depending, yeah. perspective. Depending but on the, what church circles you're in, but yeah. Yeah, and then the bigger the church gets, uh, the less membership is actually talked about. And then you get people who bounce around from bigger churches and smaller churches, and then they come into a smaller church setting, and membership almost makes it sound like, oh, am I joining a cult now? Or like, what is this? There's just a lot of confusion about what it is and its place in the church. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair, that there are principles in the text that cause churches like mine to desire to have membership in place, but it's by no means a requirement for a church to function. It's not definitional to mm-hmm. a, a local what a local church is. So yeah, uh, th- and they're both very helpful, ordination and membership. So they're extra biblical in a sense, yet they're also very helpful. There are lots of things that fit into that category, and and grounded in good biblical principles, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of something that just kind of came to my mind that I thought, hey, you know that that's that could be a helpful parallel as people try to think about the value of ordination and whether or not you need to be ordained and such like that. Um, it's a good it's a good way to think about it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, you have any other thoughts on ordination? Your ordination. 
biblical qualifications for elders, anything like that? No, I don't think so. I, I uh, truthfully, I kind of enjoyed the process myself in the, in the room itself, um, which probably speaks more about the uh, the men that were sitting on my council. Uh, very, very gracious group of individuals. Very, very grateful for those men uh, that um, you know. Even if I was kind of stumbling my way through any particular answer, uh, they were very gracious with mm-hmm. that and. Um, graciously challenged on a few points of either disagreement or clarification. Um, gracious, they were very gracious with how they challenged me on those things, and so I'm very appreciative of that. And um, yeah, it's it was it was a good thing, and I'm um, I'm grateful for it. Good. Yep, that's great. Very well. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, uh, be prepared for some different types of episodes in the next uh, couple of months. June will probably be a little thin on episodes, probably just the two, uh, part one and part two, my interview with Dr. Reluctant. But I'd say in July, uh, it'll pick up a little bit, and then August, September, we're going to be back full full throttle. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. That's what we used to say growing up. Spoken like a true Bible Belt person. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, our commission to you is that you should do... Theology.